now. Do I have your full attention? Screw you. Hello to Yogi, hello to Boo Boo, hello to Scooby Doo. Barney and Bradley. Don't forget your goat leggings. Well, par me all over the place. There's always magic at the movies. What's in the basket? Okay, well, I have some bad news. Uh, Amelia died. She was in a tragic skydiving accident trying to parachute onto James Wan's property to uh, steal all his cameras and make sure he never made another movie again and now she's dead. Render him cinematically infertile. We were going to do an episode about The Thing as presented by Amelia but then she fucking died. So instead um, we've got some riveting content in the form of two RKO pre-code pot boilers starring Constance Bennett, which is something that people always want to talk about. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows who Constance Bennett is today, I would say. It's a crowd pleaser, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I know some people do know about Constance Bennett purely because of this odd little makeup tutorial, the skincare tutorial, really, that she recorded in the late 30s in some form of color process. I don't know. It's clearly not a Technicolor, I don't think. But um, I know that sometimes they... I've, I've seen it played before in a history class. Really? So, yeah. So there are some undergraduate... I mean, they don't... They wouldn't know who she was if the professor didn't say, oh, this is a famous movie star from the 1930s. But some people have seen her visage. I've never heard of this. Yeah. No, it's good. It's funny because she gives you... We'll link it in, in the show notes. But she gives uh, skincare advice that today is what all the hip girls do it's all very like glossier style like um you know people talk about like slugging and things no but i'll go with it <laughs> okay well she's very hip up on her skincare she uses a lot of like balms and cleansing creams and just looking as greasy as possible yes she leaves her product on while she prepares while she draws her bath before <laughs> breakfast you know because as if you believe that constance bennett is still in bed at like 8.30 a.m. and not like at the studio since four. Hardest working man in show business, Constance Bennett. Good morning, everyone. I hope I'm going to be able to help you all with any problems you might have by showing you exactly how I go about my daily skin care myself. First, I use my cleansing cream. Before starting anything, one should start out with a clean slate, as it were. I like my particular brand of cleansing cream because for my temperamental skin, it is neither too oily or too dry. And above all, it doesn't grow fuzz. But it's some, it's a, it's funny. It's it's good to watch. And she's beautiful and lovely. And of course, she wakes up with a full face of makeup on. So you understand why she has to take it off. She was just partying so fucking hard the night before. She couldn't even take her eyelashes off. She parties a lot in both of these movies. Oh, yeah, she does. She's a party monster. So I guess we should talk about... Um... Fuck, I keep forgetting what they're called. They have those, like, really generic pre-code titles. Uh, Sin Takes a Holiday from 1930, right at the time, I believe, of... Is that the when it was the uh, the 
RKO Path A acquisition, and so it's it says like Path A RKO on the title card. Right. One of these two did, and I believe it. I believe it's in Takes a Holiday, and it co-stars Kenneth McKenna and a very young, very thin, kind of spindly even uh, Basil Ratham. Uh, Amelia, actually, who is now dead, rest in hell, recommended this to us because she said Basil Rathbone was uh, playing a character named Gaylord, and that's not. That's not true at all. That's yeah. not true at all. It's, it's Kenneth McKenna, who's named Gaylord, which is significantly less funny. Yeah. And uh, Zizou Pitts is there. She's got like two scenes. Yeah, I thought she was going to come back in some capacity. I, She didn't. I'm not really sure what was going on there. I, I'm really not. I'm not entirely sure. The whole movie, I think, is a little perplexing because I'm pretty sure. I mean, it could be an overlap of a couple months, but Kenneth McKenna was working at Fox in the early 30s. He was directing a little kind of dabbling over over at Fox. And I'm not quite sure why he's in an RKO picture. I don't know who Basil Rathbone is under contract with at that point, but Kenneth kind of being there was a little odd. And Stacey definitely was not under contract with RKO, I feel like, because she's making, is that when she's making the movies with Thelma Todd? But also I didn't research any of this because the point of these little bonus episodes is that we don't, do any research and we just talk out our asses i mean amelia's not really dead she had her voice stolen by a sea witch and uh you and i are like perpetual undergrads so we have a little more free time during the week so we thought you know once in a while we'll throw out these episodes that are uh we're we're not actually like putting in any effort whatsoever (laughs) no sources no citations we die like men yeah yeah, we just we watched some some crap and talk about it for like half an hour, 45 minutes. And so that's where we're at. And this movie fucking sucked. And we don't really know anything about it. But you want to get a little plot breakdown, Todd? That would require me to know what happened in it. There's a couple problems with this movie. First of all, the, the basic uh, premise is that Kenneth McKenna is a bit of a playboy. He's a bit of a philanderer. Right. And he likes to dabble in many women's vaginas (laughs) and he feels like the best way to keep himself from getting entangled with a woman and being forced to get married because i guess that's a concern that men have is that women will force them to get married in in the early 30s um he figures the best way to do that is to marry a woman that he's not attracted to so that when he gets hooked up with some hot hot blonde he could just go no sorry i'm already married a single man is always in danger a clever woman could get you most any time she wants They don't always stay married. Once a single man is named uh, co-respondent or even hinted at, well, you know what happens. Me, I'm married already and a great feeling of security. And for that purpose, um, he picks his secretary, who is played by Constance Bennett. And my the biggest issue with this movie, even larger than the entirely idiotic concept, is that we are supposed to believe and particularly that audiences in 1930 are supposed to believe that Constance Bennett with traditional Constance Bennett outfitting and hair and makeup is ugly. Yeah. And that this is the best chance she's ever going to get for a man. Yeah. She repeatedly describes herself as plain and uh, they made no effort to ugly her up at all. Like you said, when we were watching it, they didn't even put like glasses on her. She's she's a total babe. And she's like, yeah, they did. There's no effort. There's no, you know, like Betty Davis and the old maid here. There's nothing going on. And uh, there's a, a scene with Zesu when they're talking. Zesu's like, oh, well, you know, uh, you know, playing girls like us, we got to take what we can get. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I, I, I love Zesu, but I don't think there's a, a man on the on the planet at that point in time who would class Zesu and Constance Bennett in, in the same you know, rank of 
fuckability because it's all men are concerned with, obviously, which is the entire plot of the movie. And then, well, she decides, so, so Connie decides that since she's married to Kenneth McKenna and has use of his money, you know, fuck a job. And she goes to Europe. I believe she goes to Europe. Yeah, she goes to France and she decides that she's going to get entangled with his friend, Basil Rathbone. And I'm not sure why she couldn't get entangled with Basil Rathbone back in New York. Yeah, he he was there in that like squad of buddies who are all talking about the married woman they fuck, right? Like Yeah, he's there at the beginning when they're talking about how they uh how they love to sleep with married women. Okay, so she for that reason. She just so they don't have to worry about marrying them. Has to be in France because it's France, I guess. I, yeah. Yeah, okay. Probably because I'm going to guess that RKO had a couple of sets that hadn't been struck yet. <laughs> and they looked a little too continental yeah. to pass with some place in New York. So if I had to if I had to guess, that's probably what happened. And um in a bizarre twist, considering that he's the star of the movie, she comes back to New York and she decides that she would rather be with Kenneth McKenna. Yeah. Who thought she was so ugly that he could marry her and not feel any stirrings of desire for her or any concern about her welfare whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> this this movie, it blew. I hated this movie. This movie blows. This movie blows donkey dick, to be honest. And I, I honestly, um, I mean, we're going to talk about it when we talk about the next Connie movie, but uh, in terms of billing, I mean, I guess, I, you know, I'm not surprised because Basil Rathbone is not, he's not the top build star in the movie. You expect, uh, obviously, within the structure of the studio system after probably Janet Gaynor and Charlie Farrell, where you expect the two top build leads to end up together. There's not a lot of, you know, you can usually figure out who's going to be together based on how the billing yeah. is arranged in the movie. And I'm not I'm not so surprised that she ended up with, with Basil Rathbone per se, but I was more disgusted that she ended up with Kenneth McKenna. Yeah, it's a terrible ending to a terrible movie. Yeah. I mean the last the whole last minute of the movie is just Connie, oh well, you know, you're what I wanted in the first place. So I, I guess it's fine. Like have we learned, learned absolutely nothing? It's just it was just shit. It just fucking sucked and is a classic RKO total cop out of an ending, which is something that they specialized <laughs> at that point. It's just, it's just, Oh, it's so just miserable. And I can't believe that they didn't do anything. They didn't even throw an ugly wig on her or something. I mean, she's still just Constance Bennett. They didn't have her wear some totally unflattering, you know, it was just, it was absolute like horseshit in terms of storytelling base level, engagement and what they're trying to do i'm trying to remember the name of um, the actress who plays her rival for kenneth mckenna's love oh it's rita Leroy, who i had never i was not familiar with she's got a couple of like um brief kind of like supporting roles she plays things like uh, she's got a, a credit well she's actually got no that i can't say that she doesn't have a credit for i've got your number because it's uncredited but it's a sassy call girl and i've got your number with joan blondell i mean even she's even uncredited in some of the movies she makes in 1931 after this came out but she really has that that particular bearing of, of an actress in the 1930s that people think makes uh these movies completely unwatchable and very just it's just the acting style to me is very funny you know she's got her top lip out as like a substitute for performance but i guess it's effective because you don't want her to end up with kenneth mckenna because she's annoying so i guess it yeah kind of worked it sucked i can't even think of anything to say it was just such a drag it was a lot of these are terrible but they're fun to watch right like the next one but this was just dull and yeah it this sucked. was dumb and the only interesting thing i know about this movie is that 
Kay Francis was not happy with it because she was worried that Kenneth McKenna, who she was married to at the time, might step out on her with Connie. She was a little jealous. So that's the only thing that it's like, it's a footnote in Kay Francis's life, just like it's a footnote in the lives of everyone involved in this particular picture. So Sin Takes a Holiday, 1930, don't watch it. It's dumb. It's a footnote in my life. It's... (laughs) I don't think, honest to God, I don't know if I've ever seen a Path A picture from the early 30s that I really enjoyed. I'm trying to think. I'm going through my mind and nothing is standing out. I, I don't, uh, I just, I don't connect. We don't, we don't connect. We don't really understand each other. Not a great track record. Um. Oh, well, I guess Holiday, the, the Anne Harding Holiday is a Path A picture. So I can't say that. They made one. They made one movie that I understand and appreciate. But apart from that, it's a, it's a it's bleak. The exception that proves the rule. The exception that proves the rule. Exactly. Yeah. So that fucking sucked. Uh, so let's move on to the Connie Bennett pre-code that kind of sucked, but was much more pleasant suckage. Oh, okay. I thought of something that's funny in in that movie. Two things. When I was like, is Zaysu ever going to come back? And you said, check off Zaysu. <laughs> yeah. And also at the very end of the movie... When Basil Rathbone decides, he realizes that he's been cucked and he's going to leave. Well, I mean, I don't know if he's really been cucked considering that she's like a married woman, but um, he's he's been dumped in favor of Kenneth McKenna. And the butler's like, I just want to know if anyone is coming to dinner because there's been this big blow up socially and everybody stormed out. And uh, Basil just goes, they'll need a hearty breakfast. Oh, I hated that. I hated that so much. I know I shouldn't trouble you, sir, but... I was wondering about dinner, sir. Oh. Oh, I shouldn't bother them tonight. But uh, they'll need a hearty breakfast. I hate that particular intimation. It was really gross. I... Kenneth McKenna is somebody who objectively is a good-looking dude, and by all accounts, a, a very smart guy, and definitely took advantage of the chaos during the transition to sound to get himself behind the camera and do the kind of things that he wanted to. He worked a little bit with William Cameron Menzies, but I just sexually, there's nothing, there's really nothing there, which I think is probably, is probably a good thing that he moved behind the camera at that point. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't like the association with breakfast either. I'm thinking of like eggs and I just, I don't want to. Oh yeah. Especially in the thirties when people are eating like, horrible like oh let's have some stew and dumplings for breakfast it was really gross i that's what i'm assuming people ate yeah i think i'm I'm basically right i mean look at like toad in the hole that was an extremely popular breakfast in the 40s and you just take a piece of toast and you drill um like take like a a cup or glass and kind of rim it alongside the toast and then (laughs) pop out the hole in the toast and then put an egg in there and fry it and it's like oh that's breakfast it's high class it's my class. We always like to create pockets and things. That's American ingenuity. <laughs> so the other movie that we want to talk about is much, much better. Yeah, I liked this one. Yeah, this one was fun. Lady with a Past, 1932. This is an interesting one, largely because I had not seen a Ben Lyon talkie before. I don't think I have. I think this might have been my first Ben Lyon talkie because the early Fox talkies, which is what he's mostly in, I believe, are uh, kind of a gap in my, in my knowledge because most of them are irredeemably terrible. <laughs> and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I don't get Ben Lyon. Nope. At all. Nope. 
I understand Ben Lyon in like the early 20s, maybe. I understand silent era Ben Lyon, but Ben Lyon has kind of got that thing in the early 30s where he's got that big doughy round face and yeah. he's got the lipstick on and it, you can tell he's having a little bit of trouble fitting into his suit. <laughs> it's kind of like the situation that happened in, in, with Billy Haynes where he became, you know, a settled married man and stopped working out, which is relatable because I don't work out at all. But he, but Ben Lyon doesn't have any of the spunk or excitement or, or joy of like being like a little like doughy little gremlin. Yeah, he's, he's just sort of like a blobfish of a leading man. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't work. I think he's, I mean, I'm not one to talk about you know, acting styles, not surviving the transition to sound, because I un- understand and appreciate silent film as being a kind of a, a, a sister medium, you know, and I can appreciate them on a, their own levels because it's, be- you know, beautiful in a different kind of way. But he just, I don't think it worked. I think, I don't think Ben Lyon worked anymore in the 30s. I think he kind of wore out his welcome you don't get any of it you don't get you don't get the movie star vibe no way no he's just there he's just there and the whole movie is hinged upon on believing that connie bennett would pick him to be her gigolo yeah which uh... that anyone would pick him to be her gigolo is (laughs) beyond the realm of comprehension anyone would want to Fuck Ben Lyon. Yeah, I don't buy it. I know someone did. I mean, B.B. Daniels did. Someone famous did. B.B. <laughs> Daniels did, and then later on, Marion Marian Nixon did. Yeah. And probably a lot of other people. That's already too, too many. Yeah, it doesn't work. So the plot of this one is slightly more comprehensible. Constance is a... She's sort of like Again, though, we're supposed to believe that she's deeply unappealing to virtually every man on the planet. Yeah. And they don't ugly her up in this one either. She's like a socialite and no one wants anything to do with her. Well, you know, I can, I, this one, at least I can understand a little bit because it's presented as though she's, she's rich and she's beautiful, but she can read. Right. And men find that very unsexy. Yeah, she tries to talk about books a few times and they shut her the fuck down. It, they totally clear the room. Yeah. No one is interested in talking to her. And even the man that she's in love with, you know, she's 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 talking about was like Diogenes and he's just like, I mean, he's supposed to be drunk at the time, but you know that he doesn't have any idea what she's talking about, the character. Yeah. Um, the David Manners plays. Well, if it isn't little Venice Muir. Hi, Donnie. Well, what on earth are you doing out here? Thinking. Thinking? Seems to me you do an awful lot of thinking. Well, you see, no one pays much attention to me. I have lots of time for it. Well, I believe you're the only honest woman in circulation. <laughs> you're not Diogenes by any chance. Yes, that's who I am. Where's your lantern? There you have me. <laughs> But yeah, so she decides that um, the best way to kickstart her social life back in the States is to go to Europe and get involved with a gigolo and kind of generate a little bit of controversy so that when she goes back to the U.S., men will be all up in that thing. And it's important to note that she learns this lesson because she goes to a party with her friend played by Astrid Alwyn. And the men are all swarming around a particular woman. It's handled very casually. This woman uh, murdered her husband or was accused of murdering her husband. And that's presented as 
the driving force behind her newfound popularity. Everyone's really horny for this this woman because they think she killed a guy. Oh, Anne Duryea used to be Anne Parks. I went to Eastover with her. Good family, but strange creature. What's the attraction? Well, she was always considered sort of bovine, you know? Mm-hmm. No one ever noticed her until about two years ago when her husband was mysteriously poisoned. Poisoned? Oh, how awful. They tried her for murder but didn't prove it. So she discreetly mourned and then burst forth. You mean to say she's popular because she's suspected of murdering her husband? I suppose there's no other reason to account for it. And Connie hears about this and decides to emulate it in, I guess, a slightly less illegal fashion. Yeah, she's not... I mean, I think it would have been more interesting if she killed Ben Lyon. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> kind of like a, maybe like a Strangers on a Train situation or, you know, where she and that lady swap murders or maybe even like... a terrible mr ripley where she gets she gets a little too caught up in it and then she, she just kind of ends up taking out whole populations of people in europe i don't <laughs> know but in order to cover up her, her lie there's another problem about this movie and it's the dialogue direction now i know that some actors and more particularly the studios that employed said actors were a little nervous about their actors appearing uncultured after the transition to sound And they employed a whole fuckload of people, most of them British, to come over and teach these poor saps how to pronounce words properly. And they (laughs) don't in this movie. (laughs) And it can't be a coincidence. It has to be dialogue direction. Yeah. It has to be. Um, Ben Lyon repeatedly (laughs) pronounces the word commonly known to be bicycle as beesicle. He keeps doing it. Because there's a whole plot involving a beesicle race. Yeah. Well, I still think the beesicle races are more interesting than the polo matches. In the beesicle races, they have no horses. Oh, I'm sorry, I brought it up. <laughs> and I thought I, 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 I thought I was having some sort of aneurysm when it first happened. <laughs> but no, I didn't actually, because earlier in the movie, when Connie is talking shop, you know, talking books with these men at the society party, like you do when you're an attractive young woman, um, she pronounces the word biography. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's a little weird. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's a little off. And then Beesicle happened, and I was like, okay, well, obviously this is a trend on set. And then Beesicle keeps happening. Beesicle keeps happening. There's a lot of odd dialogue in this movie. At one point, she sees, I, I think she sees a statue of Cupid, something like that, and she goes, oh, please, dear little fat god of love. I wrote that down, yeah. <laughs> I wrote that down. It was the uh, the painting of Cupid at the beginning, and she's, like, praying to him, and that's not the first, or the last time she prays in this movie. There's another scene where she will get down on her knees and pray that is very strange. But, yeah, I wrote down, uh, oh, please, dear little fat god of love, because that is truly one of the best lines I've ever heard in any of these horrible, horrible pre-codes. Oh, please, dear little fat god of love, won't you send me one acceptable, well, almost acceptable, sweetheart? I mean, and, you know, Astrid Alwyn at one point tries to defend her and be like, she's not as much of a wet rag as you guys think, but she phrases it, she isn't shop-worn. So, like, there is a logic inside, in this, within this universe, in which it's like, it's not good to be a slut like the woman who murdered her husband. <laughs> but Connie still is is convinced enough that, that she has to be a slut, that she decides to go to Europe and pay Ben Lyon for his sexual services. Or not. Amelia did watch this one with us, and she described him as a rent boy. <laughs> Which was I very just, funny to me. Ben Lyon, by 1932, is so far removed from the triumphs of, like, 
you know, flaming youth in 1923, that it feels like this huge and inscrutable generational divide yeah. between him and some of the other actors on film. And these people are the same age as him. <laughs> so a little, a little, a little weird there. But I don't know. The whole movie is odd. It, it makes sense and it works in a way that Sin Takes a Holiday, which what a clunker of a title, uh, doesn't, obviously. I, I think in large part because she ends up with an actor whom I very much appreciate and enjoy watching, unlike Kenneth McKenna, especially unlike talky era Ben Lyon. Right. I love David Manners. Yeah. And he's my favorite kind of movie star, which is like beautiful and wooden. Um, <laughs> those are my favorites. I have a huge soft spot for a beautiful, beautiful man with all the acting acumen of like a junior high production of like Willy Wonka. And yeah, that doesn't remind me of anyone who we might know. Shut up. That's like what all my favorite movie stars. Uh, it's just, but they have a lot of like little, like um, what Hitchcock would call like bits of business. Like there's a whole scene where David Manners is in the kitchen and he's talking with the cook. who's a little bit of like a, a racist stereotype. And they're talking about like cocktail preparation. And he's very fussy about his cocktails and it doesn't have any greater bearing. It's just like, Oh, you know, David Manners has a reasonably pleasant voice. Let's listen to him speak because it's still a bit of a novelty. <laughs> In 1932, apparently, that people are speaking. I can't think of any other reason for the inclusion of a lot of scenes in this movie other than the fact that it's like it's exciting to hear people talk. Yeah. Uh, and see, the other thing that's surprising about this movie is that she ends up with Manners because Manners is not the top billed male lead. Yeah, it's a weird curveball literally in the last, like, I don't know, two minutes of the movie. Yeah, honestly, God. she comes back. She Well, she spends the, the bulk of the movie in Europe with Ben Lyon gallivanting about you know being bros and then you're thinking okay well you know there's a little bit of, of a romance brewing here and then at, at the 11th hour it's revealed that he's married and his wife is not interested in giving him a divorce and he didn't even plan on telling connie that he was married like he <laughs> says he forgot and then she ends up going back home and david manners is not happy with the change in her personality he does not like her as this you know, notorious man-eater of a woman He's not interested in her sluttery, which I think is a shame because I think she's fun and exciting that way. But he's like, well, you know, I, I guess I love you anyway. Whatever. And then the movie ends. Yeah. It's it... when he's the person who drove her to Europe by saying that she basically did not have enough sexual experience to be interesting to him. Yeah. He didn't like her the way she was before either. <laughs> yeah. He's a total dick. <laughs> he's a total dick. Also, the fact that she's an orphan. For no reason. Yeah, which they're just I, dead. They're just dead. And I understand, obviously, the social reality of being alive in the 1930s is that a lot of people also aren't alive in the <laughs> 1930s. But it almost feels like she's killed her parents, like, for the clout. It really does, yeah. <laughs> like, she just, she needs, uh, she needs to have that extra, like, oh, like, poor little rich girl vibe about her. And she has, like, an aunt or whatever who lives with her and takes care of her. So it's not like she's, like, alone in the world. But I guess they also couldn't quite rationalize her being like a single woman who lives alone. But the, we also know that she's not sexually experienced. Also, obviously, she, you know, she's not having any men over. I don't know. It's just odd. There's a lot of people in this movie who I, I don't know. I mean, I guess when you have people under contract, you want to make them act and not just pay them to sit around and do nothing because that's capitalism. Well, in addition to the aunt, too, there was this uh, this lawyer character who appears in a party scene who I don't think appears at all before this point or after this point he's this like older man who's connie's lawyer 
and the opposite of Chekhov's ace. <laughs> <laughs> There's this weird line about how he used to take her over his knee and spank her as a child. Yeah. And that horrified me. Spanking is a thing that pops up in a lot of free codes. Yeah. No particular examples are coming to mind no, right now. It's just like all of them. All of them. I was I was watching recently um this this Ruth Roman Ruth Roman oh my God Ruth Hussey well you know whatever the same thing Ruth Hussey <laughs> Melvin Douglas movie where at the very end of the movie it's revealed that Ellen Drew is not actually paralyzed she's pretending to be so that he won't divorce her okay and we know that because Ruth Hussey knows that but Ruth Hussey feels like she can't tell Melvin Douglas because they need to draw out the plot for another twenty minutes and. Ellen Drew stands up because she gets sprayed with a fire hose and she instinctively like jumps up and is like, hey, fuck off. <laughs> and so Melvin Douglas pulls her over his lap and then spanks the shit out of her. All right. And and then, it, and then it's like fade to, you know, black, like a, an MGM picture, whoever made the movie. I don't remember. But that's obviously that's not a pre-code, clearly, because it's got Melvin Douglas and Ruth Hussey. But um, it's the same in that that spirit of like, well, I don't know. We, just gotta, we gotta throw some spanking in there. It's like in I Love Lucy when Ricky just spanks her. Yeah. And it goes on for so long and everyone laughs and it's normal. And I everyone was just getting spanked in like every decade before 1995, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It's terrifying. I don't like it. It's just, it was funny to hit women. Yeah, I guess. And there's also, um, I mean, I don't know. It, it, sometimes with, with pre-codes, things strike you as vaguely fetishistic. And um we have to go back to the last movie because I just remembered the foot shit. Oh, yeah. There's an extended shot of Connie Bennett's feet. Of course. Instant takes a holiday. That felt distinctly unwholesome. Precodes are, by and large, very kinky in a way that, again, going back to our pillow talk discussion, hornies don't deserve to live. And I, d- I want it to go away, all of it. I want it all edited out of film history. I don't want to see any feet. I don't want to see any space. <laughs> Connie Bennett was stripped of her fundamental human rights Yeah. once she went to Europe and became a horny in both of these movies. <laughs> both of these movies. That's what happens when you go to Europe. That's why she had to That's go to France. That's what happens when you go to Europe. Yeah. I forgot what we were talking about. Oh, right. So, yeah. So, okay. So, so David Manners is not the top-billed man in this movie. He's not the top-billed male lead. But she ends up with him anyway. And I really can't think of very many movies where that happens. Yeah, it because weird. it's kind of antithetical to the whole you know, understanding of the idea of, of popping multiple stars in a movie, which was already an established practice at the time. I know it, it kind of developed a little late in film history because of the idea that, you know, well, I have two big names in a movie when you could just make two separate movies at the same time, one with a yeah. big star. But that's odd. I really, yeah, I really can't think of very, uh, very many movies where the female star ends up with the man who isn't top build. Um, it's a little odd, honestly. And maybe, maybe Ben Lyon signed on to the project or Ben Lyon's studio. I'm not really sure if he was still gainfully employed at that point. I, and maybe they signed on to the project with the understanding that he would be top build. And then they were like, well, we're just going to work around this because we want her to end up with David Manners, who might have been an RKO star at this point. He makes a lot of movies for RKO, but he also made a lot of movies over at Fox. Mm-hmm. And he also made a lot of movies over at Universal. I'm not really sure where Manners was at that point, but I don't know. It's weird. It's fucking weird. And uh, yeah, again, like I can't think, I can't, 
I honestly God can't think of any example where that happens. He's not in the movie a lot either. There are long stretches where he doesn't show up. And yeah. Then, well, while she's in Europe, of course. And so, yeah, and there's a, I did go back and rewatch, this is what I was talking about earlier. There is a dream sequence that is framed in a way that, I did not know it was a dream sequence until it was revealed at the end of the uh, the scene. Um, and yeah, that is it is David Manners who comes back in and fights Ben Lyon. So there's this scene where Connie and Ben Lyon are in a bar and then just totally normal. We cut to them arriving at her hotel room and then it gets really rapey, like, yeah, very, very rapey in a way that is uncomfortable. It, it felt very real. And then suddenly Connie gets down on her knees and starts praying to God that she won't get raped, I guess. Um, so it becomes a little less real at that point. And then David Manners comes through the window to fight Ben Lyon in a surprisingly drawn out, choreographed fight scene. And then it's revealed that this is a dream, which I guess I should have clued into when she got down on her knees and prayed. But honestly, it's a pre-code, so it could have been anything. I mean, uh, what's the movie with uh, Miriam Hopkins where she's like held in chains the whole movie? Oh, I mean, God, I don't know. Yeah. I, um, again, my brain is turned to Swiss cheese. Is that, um, is that Temple Drake? No. Temple Drake, yes. Yes, yeah, yes okay. it is Temple Drake. Yes. I mean, look at Temple Drake. So anything goes in a pre-code. Yeah. I mean, fuck. I, absolutely. No, it's it's odd. And it's a very odd scene. And also, it's oddly positioned in the, in the narrative because at that point, she's been hanging out with Ben Lyon, having their their best friend vacation montages <laughs> throughout Europe. And you haven't seen David Manners for like half an hour. Yeah, like when we were watching it, we didn't know who he was. We couldn't tell. Like they don't do a close up on him. And suddenly Ben yeah. Lyon's just fighting this guy in a top hat who comes in through the window. And it's like, who the hell is this? For a minute, I was like, is it trick photography? Is he fighting himself in this dream sequence or something? And no, it, it is. That would be much more impressive, I think. <laughs> yeah. In terms of narrative. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a weird scene. Weird. It's Very a weird, weird movie, but it's a more enjoyable weird movie than a fucking whatever the hell. Sin takes a holiday. Sin takes a holiday. Sin takes a holiday. I can't get over how bad that ta- that that name is. It's so bad. I keep forgetting it. It just leaves my head. Because then I just immediately think of Death Takes a Holiday, which is both a great title and a great movie. And then I, I'm sad that we're talking about the other one. Oh, speaking of I'm sad, there are two distinct <laughs> separate moments in Lady with Past where somebody just says, I'm sad. Yeah. Like with a period at the end. Hello, Donnie. Hello, Lola. What's the matter with you? I'm sad. You look it. Well, I am. Rene. Venice. Oh, I, I can't. Why? I, I don't love you. I could teach you that. No, I, I'm not that way, Rene. Oh, please, Venice, please. Oh, believe me, Rene, I, I'm honored, but, but it's impossible. I'm sorry. I'm very sad. It's so funny. Like, when David Banner says it, he's just like, I'm sad. I'm sad. <laughs> like, I'm sad, bitch. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> That's my current emotional state. So, I mean, it's, just, it's not even, like, part of conversation. Oh, I love this movie. This movie was so fun. Yeah, it was um, a good one. It was a good one. Ben Lyon. Oh, God, he's uh, just there. Ben Lyon in this movie, to me, it's almost, like, a little bit like watching, like, 70s Richard Burton. But, like, without... <laughs> Like, if you didn't have the context of, like, earlier Richard Burton, who also is still, like, a little a, a little repulsive. Um, but Silent Ben Line isn't repulsive, so I don't think it's a good comparison. But I think, I think the Billy Haynes comparison is good. It would be like if you just saw Brown of Harvard and then you were dropped into, like, are you listening? You'd be like, hmm, gained a little bit of weight. <laughs> His hairline's a little, a little receded a little, and he's got 
pretty heavy lipstick on with a very pronounced Cupid's bow. Yeah, he's just kind of sweaty and mushy. and <laughs> Very sweaty. <laughs> Which is the other thing, and I, I, again, not to be that bitch, but you also get to see a really interesting contrast between, like, the aesthetics of male beauty between the 20s and the 30s. Because so many movie stars of the 20s have those big round moon faces and the center parted hair that's pushed back up onto the sides like male pattern baldness that like hasn't erupted yet (laughs) and they were really high collars and it's just really funny and then david manners is just like is so lovely yeah and he's got like that natural contour he's got those big long fingers and i mean just so like he's just oh i love david manners he's so beautiful and um you know gay rights it's just it i He's so gorgeous. And then you just look at Ben Lyon and you're like, well, I guess she's going to end up with him because he's the top ranked. He's top build. He's not top billing. And then and then they don't. Yeah. And you're kind of almost waiting for Zacy Pitts to come back from another movie and uh, take Ben Lyon up her hands. But Ben Lyon just fucks off to his wife that he apparently forgot about. His last scene is just like, he's he just he's on the phone. He calls Connie. He's like, hey, my wife won't give me a divorce, so uh, bye. And then he's gone. And she and keeps yelling back. at him and yeah. like folding his laundry. And then what? It's so weird. It's so weird. And again, we keep saying this, but I can't believe anyone would pay Ben Line for sex in 1932. I find that so difficult to believe. I find it difficult to believe that his wife wouldn't give him a divorce. Like, sure. <laughs> Why not? Well, because at first she just wants money, right? Because yeah. she wants to name Connie as a correspondent yeah. in, in like a case, like for like alienation of affection. And then I guess she's like, you know what? I'd rather keep this penniless loser who literally i think he does i think he's he's not actually a a gigolo i think that connie just finds him and is like hey can i pay you to pretend to be a gigolo he just appears at her table at this like cafe in paris and immediately starts scamming her out of drinks like he gets her to buy buy him some beers and shit and then she's like all right so actually i'm gonna hire you we're not gonna fuck but you know you're gonna be my boyfriend then suddenly he's he's just a gigolo i guess and like also like if you wanted to win over david manner's affections by having like your your reputation precedes you wouldn't you do a bit of what connie does in sin takes a holiday where you just fuck one of his friends yeah unless david manners has no friends that's possible he's only honestly friend i think is astrid alwyn <laughs> that you see in the movie and i think it would have been a better movie even if she if you fucked astrid alwyn <laughs> obviously but it's it's a little odd and i just i don't know i'm always surprised it's always a little bit of a surprise you know when you go through like the fan magazines and you see who a movie star is married to and you're like you know her yeah but you know like Lydell Peck who is married to um Janet Gaynor who looks like a pigeon and a <laughs> foot at the same time <laughs> R.I.P. to Lydell Peck not that anyone knows who he is because he wasn't even a movie person but um <laughs> I just had to say that so that I don't, I don't get haunted uh, so I don't get cursed from beyond the grave uh no it's it, it, fucking weird man fucking weird Anyway, Ben Outline was ugly in 1932, and B.B. Daniel should have been ashamed. I agree. Uh, I guess that's all we got, then. I think that's all we got, yeah. I guess the verdict is, um, Sin Takes a Holiday fucking blows. Uh, Lady with a Past is weird as hell, but it's very fun to watch for the weird as hell pre-code angle, I think. Yes. It was, it was fun. Yes. I enjoyed that one. Um, I did check... Uh, Sin Takes a Holiday is in the public domain, so if anyone wants to watch it, you can get it on archive.org, and it's on YouTube in, like, five different ass-quality versions, but I wouldn't recommend it. It's terrible. Uh, Lady 
Uh, what, I almost said lady takes a holiday. Lady with the past. <laughs> lady with the past is not uh, available in any legal means, but it's really easy to find if you just do a little Googling. So wink. We endorse piracy on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And, which is uh, why we're never going to get involved with any legitimate sponsors. Yeah. 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 No, the good, good movies. Uh, did Connie make any good pre-codes? Because I'm thinking about it and I can't... Really? Like legitimately good, I, nothing's coming to mind. Nothing is coming to mind. Um. Oh, what price Hollywood? Oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> all right. Just remember, like, yeah, a bit of an oversight. Like, what? Like her most probably her most famous movie, except for probably after what Topper. Um. No, Lady. Uh, I was gonna say Lady of the Past, but obviously it's okay. We've established <laughs> that. Uh, and I like our betters. But I think I'm a little biased because I was thinking of the three movies, four movies. Oh, my God. I forgot you made four movies with Joel. Special, um, special guy. Specials. A special, special boy. A special anyway, little buddy. Those all suck ass. So, <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. There's, there's like, what, like, two, three good Connie Bennett pre-codes. She just really got fucked. Yeah. I mean, it's just the sheer volume of them, too. There's so many. There's so many and of them. Some of them and... are, are terrible but fun, like Lady with the Past, and some of them are Sin Takes a Holiday and don't watch that. It's bad. Yeah. Sometimes she gets sad with just some of the worst co stars. Yeah. I mean, you know, she's got she's got a couple Ben Lyons. <laughs> um, you know, she's got Joel, who in the early nineteen thirties McCray could not act his way out of a paper bag. I you know, I, I just she's got Frederick Marsh doing his worst um, Barrymore impression, you know, in Affairs of Cellini. I, I don't know. I feel bad for Connie Bennett. Not not too bad because, you know, she was beautiful and wealthy, but a little bad. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Just like I feel bad for B.B. Daniels. <laughs> and also very judgmental of B.B. Daniels. Yeah. So um, I think we should do this again. I think we should do another bonus episode soon yeah. where we talk about breakouts. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll try to get Amelia on some bonus episodes sometimes, too. But like we said, she's generally very busy. And then right uh, at this moment, she's quite ill. So that's yeah. We're also better. dealing with a, a huge time zone difference. Yeah. For, I don't know if people are aware of that, but I'm in California. Todd is up in the Great White North. And Amelia's down under if the accent include you in at all yeah <laughs> so we're a little scattered um throughout the, throughout the globe right now and uh it makes coordinating recording actually very difficult in a way that it did not when we were young and footloose and fancy free yeah before amelia had a real job yeah before amelia had a real job <laughs> but uh yeah we love you amelia yeah. come back soon love amelia come back soon Please escape from James Wan's house with at least a couple prints of, so that we can destroy them. Yes. And we'll be back with a properly researched episode uh, presented by Amelia about The Thing. And I'm still very excited about that. She promised it would be juicy. So In all, in all, all senses of the word juicy. Yes, yeah. moist. A moist episode. Just like Don't Ben Lyons' Don't say that face. ever again. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, bye.
Say, uh, when does this Donnie arrive in Paris? About now, I think. He's got to come over on business. You won't mind seeing him fight his way through the crowd to have a word with you? No, not if there's a chance he'll be trampled to death. <laughs> <laughs> Good gal. You're going to get along all right. 